Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Bamidbar. We start this Shabbos, the fourth book of the Torah, Sefer Apikudim, the book of counting. Now, before we even get to Parshas Bamidbar, let's remind ourselves that, Emir Tzashem, this coming Sunday night is the Yom Tov of Shavuos. So maybe let's just talk for a few moments about the forthcoming Yom Tov of Shavuos, and then we'll take a look at Parshas Bamidbar. Now, the probably most special way I can introduce the Yom Tov of Bamidbar would be by citing the Pasuk that we recite every Friday night right before we say the introductory paragraph of the Kiddush, beginning with Vayachulu. So the practice is Vayerev Vayivoker, that which comes right before it, Yom Hashishi, the sixth day. And you'll notice that in all the preceding five days, it's Yom Echad, Yom Sheni, Yom Shlishi, without the Hei Hayadiyah, without the fourth day, the fifth day. It simply says fourth day, fifth day. The only place where it says Yom Hashishi, the um, sixth day, is that's where the last day, and Rashi picks up on it and says so powerfully, one, the hay is to remind us of the five books of the Torah, that God made a stipulation with creation. If the Jewish people accept the five books of the Torah at Sinai, then the world will continue. The world has a purpose. If not, the world will not continue. How important is Shavuos? And the second explanation of Rashi is Yom Hashishi, the sixth day. So I'll tell you and ask you, which day are we talking about? So you're going to say, come on, come on, the sixth day of creation. And Rashi brings the other opinion that says, in addition to the sixth day of creation, it refers to the sixth day of Sivan. Namely, Shekiblu Yisrael HaTorah. When the Jewish people accepted the Torah, Nischasku Kol Yitziras Bereshis. All of creation at that time became solidified. V'nechshav, and it was looked upon by God, Ke'ilu Nivra HaOlam Atah. As if the world was created now. The idea being that once again, Hashem put this stipulation. So we really believe that not only is the purpose of the Exodus, whereby Shavuos is the Atzeres, the culmination of um, Pesach, that we were taken out and freed for the purpose of receiving the Torah, but even on a much larger perspective, the world was created in order that there should be a Torah which teaches man 
how he is to live his life. Interestingly, there are no biblical laws for the individual to be performed on Shavuos that are unique to the Yom Tov of Shavuos. There's no sukkah and no shofar and no matzah, etc. However, there are minhagim. There are the customs. And I'd like to suggest why, before we even take a quick peek at the customs, the idea is that on Shavuos we're accepting not only, as Reb Gaon says, the Ten Commandments, and really they should be called not Ten Commandments, but Ten Categories, because each of the commandments has, is like the chapter heading, and under these chapter headings come the many, many, many individual mitzvos, subheadings, subcategories that are, that belong to these ten, quote, categories. Now, not only are we accepting the package of 613 on Shavuos, but we focus on the Minhagim on the customs, because the Jew is saying, I want to do not only what I have to do, which are the mitzvos, but even the minhagim, the customs, which have developed by our people over the centuries. That too I observe, because I take with me the totality, and I demonstrate by love my love of Torah by doing not only the mitzvos but even beyond doing the minhagim. So the Ramah in Sima Tzadi Dalid 494 speaks about three minhagim of Shavuos. One, Lishtoach Asovim by Shavuos Bebeis HaKneses Vahabatim the placing of greens, flowers in the shul and in the homes and this the um, what's the reason for that? explains the Ramah Zecher the Simchas Matan Torah to remember that when God gave the Torah He bedecked Mount Sinai with grass, with green God liked the green carpet. How do we know? Because the Torah says that the animals should not graze upon the mountain. Why would they graze? Because there would be, there was grass there. So this is one minhog prevalent throughout the world. Second of all, the minhog of staying awake on the night of Shavuos, this coming Sunday night, for the purpose of studying Torah, the idea is showing our excitement. We can't wait until the Torah was given. Others say this is to rectify our ancestors having, quote, overslept. But that's a very interesting topic. How could they have? And so maybe at another time we'll discuss that. But really, they were expecting to get prophecy in their sleep. And instead, Moshe awakens them and said, no, you are getting prophecy on the highest level. And let's not forget that this is so important. What happened on Shavuos, as the Torah tells us in the fifth book, that no other nation 
ever have or ever will be able to say that they as a people experience prophecy. Every other religion says that their prophet had a prophecy from God. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Were you there? No. But here, you can answer that question. Were you there? Yes. There were over two million men, women, and children who heard HaKadosh Baruch Hu speak to them the first two of the Ten Commandments, and then the rest they heard Hashem speak to Moshe. Third minog is to eat dairy, and the... Uh, Two reasons that are given for it, well, there are many reasons, but the two of the more popular reasons are, number one, that when Moshe comes down and uh, they are so happy and they said, okay, let's celebrate, let's have a barbecue. Oh, no. There are many laws that I have to teach you now, including the laws of Kashras, including the laws of Shechita, including the laws of Malicha, of how to salt the meat and take the blood. And so they could not eat, they didn't have the utensils for, um, for meat, and so we eat dairy, not the entire Shavuos, different customs, how many meals, but sh- make sure to incorporate meat, because Shavuos is a Yom Tov, and Yom Tov is to be honored by uh, a meat meal, or meat meals, okay, so very, and secondly, uh, as a remembrance to the Shtehalechem, the communal offering brought by the Jewish community on the first day of Shavuos, which was, quote, the two breads. And in reality, my friends, you should know that Shavuos is a kind of graduation. On the second day of Pesach, we brought the Korban Omer, which was a offering of barley. And barley is called by our rabbis, Macho Behema, the food of um, animals. And on Shavuos, we bring a Korban of the two loaves which were of wheat, which is that which is machal odom. During the Omer, we have graduated from the status of behemoth, of animals, to literally being the significant man, person that we are, ready to receive the Torah. And that's what Shavuos represents, you know, for us. So to commemorate the Shtehalechem, there are those that on the first day of Shavuos begin their meal with two loaves and have dairy. They remove all the dairy from the table and reset the table with uh, fleshek and uh, plates and uh, a separate tablecloth, etc. And listen carefully, we bring two other loaves to the table as a commemoration of the Ishtei Alechem. And the idea is, because you cannot use the same loaves of bread of challah that we use for dairy for, for a meat meal. Okay, finally, Shavuos is not to be accepted until uh, Sunday Night. So even though many have been accepting Shabbos early during, and will continue to so do during the summer, when it comes to the Yom Tov of Shavuos, based upon the verse in Parshas Emor, namely that on this 
very day which doesn't begin until nightfall, as well as that the Sphira is to be Sheva Shabbosos Tamimos, seven complete weeks. Uh, we read the book of Rus on the second day of Shavuos. We read Akhtomos on the first day of Shavuos after the Kohen is called to the Torah. And we have Yiskor on the second day of Shavuos. Okay, let's take a peek at Parshas Bamidbar, which is also related to Shavuos. How so? Because this year, as in most years, we read Parshas Bamidbar before the Yom Tov of Shavuos. We are told this in the Shulchan Aruch, 428 Orachayim, which says, Manu ve'atsru, count, which means begin the book of counting, which is the book of Bamidbar, and celebrate the holiday of Shavuos. The Gemara at the end of Megillah teaches that we do this to have a buffer between the curses, the Tochacha, that we read last week in Bechukosai, and the forthcoming holiday of Shavuos. But I'd like to suggest another reason. The word Bamidbar, my friends, means literally in the desert. And the desert represents the complete and total dependency that the Jewish people had on Hashem, during their 40-year trek in the Midbar. The Pasuk in Devarim describes the Midbar as the great and awesome wilderness of snake, fiery serpent, scorpion, and thirst where there was no water, where only Hashem could bring forth water from the flint of rock, from the rock of flint, who fed you the manna, the manna in the desert, which your forefathers knew not. Now, regarding the Mun, the Gemara in Yuma 76a tells us that the students of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai asked him, given that there were so many miracles associated with the Mun, why did Hashem not give them their allocation of Mun once a year and would have stayed fresh the entire year? And he answered with a parable about a king who supported his son by giving him an annual stipend and therefore was visited by the prince once a year. When he changed his allocation and provided for his son on a daily basis, ah, the son would visit his father every day. And similarly, Hashem allocated mun every single day to impart within the millions of recipients, their total reliance on Hashem. Because this feeling of total reliance is a prerequisite for our accepting His Torah. Now, the Mechilta in Parshas Yisrael describes in detail the events that took place the days preceding the revelation at Sinai. And on the fifth day of Sivan, the nation experienced an inaugural ceremony as a prerequisite for Matan Torah. Moshe wrote 
and read to the people the Sefer Abris, starting from Beratius until Sinai. The Jewish people who underwent conversion at Sinai pronounced their acceptance of mitzvos with the declaration, Nasevinitshma, we will do and we will obey, just like every convert does the same thing. As they are in the mikvah, they say, we accept all mitzvot, those which we study, those what we will be more informed of later on. Offerings were brought on this day. Blood was sprinkled on the people. And Moshe then declared, says the Mechilta, Behold, you are inextricably bound to Hashem. Therefore, tomorrow, come and receive His law. Now, how does one become bound to Hashem? The Gemara Yevamos 64 teaches in the name of Yitzchak. Why were the Avos and Imohos, the matriarchs and patriarchs, akurim, barren, couldn't have children? And he answered, Because Hashem misave tfiloson shel tzadikim. God desires the prayers of the righteous. And the Maharal, in his commentary on this Gemara, teaches that prayer is the great connector, creating a constant bond between the the barren matriarchs and patriarchs with Hashem. Now, one week, as we know, after we left Egypt, we experienced the miraculous splitting of the sea. And the Medrash Mos Rabbah, 21.5, teaches in the name of Yeshua ben Levi. Why? Why was this miracle necessary? And he answered with the following parable. To what may be compared? To a king who was traveling and heard the cries of a princess begging for help from robbers. And the king heard and saved her from them. And a short time later, the king was interested in having a relationship with her, but she was not interested. The wise king, what did he do? He created the situation again that she would be in danger. And once again, he responded to her cries. Similarly, When the Jewish nation were severely persecuted by the Egyptians, the Torah tells us at the end of chapter 2 in Shmos that the children of Israel groaned because of the work. They cried out, and the outcry went up to Hashem. Hashem heard their deep-felt pain and suffering. Thereupon, He brought ten miraculous plagues, which were punitive to the Egyptians and establishing a relationship with a fledgling Jewish nation. And when they left Egypt, Hashem desired again to hear their voices in praise and thanksgiving. And unfortunately, this did not come. Hashem therefore orchestrated that Paro and the Egyptians should come in hot pursuit after them and so that He would deliver them from the ensuing danger, miraculously splitting the sea. And then what did he do? He invoked from them the song of thanksgiving expressed with that same enthusiasm that they had prior as they demonstrated from their pains and suffering in Egypt. Prayer, as the morale teaches, creates a bond. During the difficult months of covid experiencing the death of many, and especially Gedolim, and many seriously sick people, we davened with great fervor and emotion. The Pasuk in Shmos 1230, 
there was not a house where there was no corpse, was acutely felt in the environment. Now that we are privileged to have a vaccine, oy oy oy, our prayers are not the same. Unfortunately, there's a mindset of getting back to normal. What each individual will personally learn from COVID is something that each person has to grapple with by themselves. However, I'd like to suggest that collectively, one lesson that we can all learn is to attempt to keep the strong connection to Hashem through prayer. When one, God forbid, survives a car accident, they recite Birkasa Gomel and sing Nishmas. Think about it. If one was not in a car accident, should they not thank Hashem all the more? And as we are emerging from Corona and our tefillos are getting ouch, back to normal, we encountered Meron. And now we encounter a war, Lo'aleinu, in Eretz Yisrael to among the other things which remind us of the need, importance, and constant upgrade of our tefillos. I'd like to strongly recommend that we dive in more slowly. Having those Additional minutes will give us the opportunity to focus on the meaning and understanding of our prayers. What a different connection there is if one actually understands what he's asking for in each of the 19 blessings of the Shemona Esrei. I believe that it is most reasonable to allocate no less than 15 minutes from the beginning of Brachos to Yishtabach, enabling the Tzibur to actually appreciate the praises being offered to Hashem, reminding us of the privilege before whom we are praying. The Shulchan Aruch and Orachayim 51a teaches that one should not say Psukhet Zimra rapidly, but at a leisurely pace. And the Mishnah Brura in commentary note 20 teaches that one should recite the words as if he were counting money. Ask yourself, are you counting small change so that if you miss a few, it is relatively inconsequential? Or are you counting hundred dollar bills? He heard our voices in COVID. May we be privileged to maintain the connection and the fervor. And finally, as we go into the Yom Tov of Shavuos and we focus on our study of Torah, there's a fascinating Gemara in Nida 70b, whereby they asked Rabbi Yoshua, what should a person do to become rich? And he answered, invest time in business? He should conduct his business affairs with integrity and pray to Hashem, who is the source of all wealth. And then the Gemara asks another question. The other question is, what should a person do to become a Talmud Chacham? And Rabbi Yeshua answered, one, spend more time studying. Secondly, spend less time in business. 
And finally, pray to Hashem for wisdom, for He is the source of all wisdom. And so, tefillah is important not only for our everyday needs of a physical nature, but even as we approach the very special Yom Tov of Shavuos, Zman Matan Torosenu, our success in Torah study is commensurate with our tefillos. May we be privileged to experience the upgrade of our tefillos and thereby accomplish more in our personal relationship with Hashem and in our Torah study. Shabbat Shalom and a good Yom Tov to all.